Good morning. Welcome to Grace City. My name's Matt Briggs, and I'm the family pastor here, and we're so glad you chose to be a part of our community today. We know there's a lot of places you could have spent your time this morning, and we're glad you chose to spend a few moments with us. We're in our fourth week of our Prayers of Jesus series, where we talk about the four prayers that Jesus prayed uh, throughout the Gospels. Last week, we covered the first part of the high priestly prayer, Jesus's uh, prayer before he is about to be crucified. And we get to eavesdrop here on this conversation between God and his son, Jesus, right in these last moments of his life. You know, it's kind of like when you accidentally hear your parents talk about what you're getting for Christmas. You know, you get to hear a little bit of this private conversation, and it's so exciting in this moment. And in the same way, this is exciting for us to see Jesus in these words that he's deciding to speak to his father right as he's prepared to die. Many consider this to be one of the greatest prayers ever, play, ever prayed. So we should approach this with humility and with worship as we see these words of Jesus. It models prayer for us, yes, but not only that, it shows us that what we are entitled to as those that belong to Jesus. You know, last week we talked about how to pray for ourselves without focusing on ourselves, but focusing on the redeeming work God is trying to do in our lives and in the world around us. This week, we're going to talk about Jesus' prayer for his disciples. So why did Jesus pray this prayer? Well, first of all, he prayed this prayer to prepare himself for the suffering he was about to face. You know, like we just talked about and like David talked about last week, it is okay to pray for ourselves as long as we have God's will in mind as we do that and God's sovereign plan for the world in mind as we do that. But he was also praying to strengthen himself, but he was also praying in real Jesus fashion unselfishly and praying for his disciples. How encouraging must this have been for the disciples to hear live, for them to hear Jesus going to the Father on their behalf, especially in retrospect as they see that this was the very end of Jesus's life. And in one of these last moments, he chose to specifically bring their name up to the Father. How cool would that have been? So many times, like Jesus, when we pray for others, it gives us great strength. Take a few moments, pray for somebody you love, or maybe even pray for somebody that you struggle with. And I think you'll find your heart changed and your life encouraged, and you'll start to feel differently about them, and you'll start to feel strengthened, and you'll feel closer to Jesus. In these moments, Jesus is also praying for us so that we would know that all we are entitled to is his sons and his daughters. So let's dive in to the scripture. We'll read John chapter 17, verses 6 through 19. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But know 
but now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for Jesus' prayers here, God. And I pray that in these moments together uh, this morning that we would hear from you, God. And then when we hear from you, we'll be ready to take and apply that truth to our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right off the bat, I want us to read verse 6 again where Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. When Jesus says he's manifested his name to the world, what he's saying is that he has revealed the nature of God to the world. You see, the Old Testament Jews would have seen God and would have used this sacred name of Jehovah, the great I am. You know, this would have been a name that they were even afraid to utter on their lips. And so what Jesus did is he took this sacred name, this great I am, these words that were not even to be spoken, and he made them relatable when he used phrases throughout his ministry, like when he said, I am the bread of life, or he said, I am the light of the world, I am the good shepherd, and on and on and on. We see that language when Jesus uses those words, I am he is reflecting the nature of god and making it relatable to you and i and to the readers there in the old testament he's showing us that god is all we need the great i am is all we need and he is our father the word father is used 122 times in the book of john and i think when we see a word that many times we know that we're supposed to learn something from that right that that repetition shows us that we need to pay attention and so what jesus is trying to show us through that is that god is our father and that we have that fatherly relationship with him we are his sons and we are his daughters you know we can approach god in reverence yes because he's the god in the universe he created everything and he puts the breath in our lungs and so yes there is a reverence there but there's, there's also a comfort there. There's also a security there in knowing that he is our father and he loves us. Almost no matter what we say, he loves us. And so we can come in great comfort. Just like our kids can come to us, we can go to God knowing that he hears us. Verse 9 shows us more specifically how Jesus prays for us. Verse 9 says this, I am praying for them, I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. You know, like many of you that have kids, I try to listen to my kids, my wife and I try to listen to our kids, and again, if it's anything like my house, they're talking constantly. They're asking for things, my kids are young, and they're just asking for things, they're asking questions, which is, which is all well and good, and sometimes it's hard to even hear all of it but we do our best to try to answer the things that they ask and in the same way God always hears the prayers of Jesus his son and there's security in knowing that he always hears Jesus and we pray in the name of Jesus and so when we pray 
through Jesus. And we say, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, that's not a trite phrase. That's just not the, the correct way to, to put a cap on that on our prayers. But it's a, it's a phrase, if you expand it out a little bit, you would say, Jesus, I'm praying in your authority, in your power, by your sacrifice. And in that, let it be so. Amen means let it be so. And so we would say in Jesus' name, amen, we're praying under the authority and power of Jesus. And verse 11 shares with us another ally we have in our walk with Jesus. Let's read here in verse 11. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. In the New Testament, you're not going to see isolated believers because they understood that God's people need one another. We even see Jesus in his last days on earth in the upper room serving and loving and showing compassion for his disciples and showing them how much they need that fellowship with one another. And in the days ahead, they would even look back and even Peter in his confidence, sometimes overconfidence, would likely look back to that moment of that that group in that community in that upper room and realize how much they need each other. As much as in our control, we shouldn't neglect meeting together in the faith with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's read verse 11 to mine a little more from that. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. We have security as believers. The security of our salvation is found in Jesus. God takes care of his own children. The security of our salvation is not based on anything that we can do. It's not based on any of our actions or any of our performance, but it's based on the character of God and what he did for us through his son, Jesus. Isn't that encouraging today? Because so much of the world that we encounter and what we do is based on our performance or our actions. We should achieve more. We should do more. We should be first. We should go, go, go. But what the scripture is telling us here is that our security and our salvation is not based on our works. Our works will follow. Our salvation in Christ is based in what Jesus has done for us. And that can't be snatched away because God takes care of his children. What a relief that is. On to verse 12. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. While on earth, the disciples could depend on Jesus. You know, they depended him for their spiritual needs, yes, and often we think about that. But they also depended on Jesus for their physical needs. They literally lived together and took every step together for those years of ministry together. Jesus saw these disciples as a gift from God, and he sees us the same way. And that, again, just like our security of our salvation, this thought and this idea, if we can get it locked in our minds, can bring us a lot of peace, that God sees us as a gift, and we can depend on him. We are precious to him. He takes care of us. He secures us. He prays for us. And he also gives us his word, which shows us all even more that we have in him. Verse 14 says this, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. 
You know, the Word of God is God's divine revelation to us, and we should never take that for granted. It's not just a collection of, of history books or some good stories. It's God's divine revelation to us. We should know it, and we should use it. And to me, part of using the Word of God is praying the Word of God back to Him, praying the words of God back to Him. There's one of two camps that I find in the Christian life. There's those that study the Bible, and they love to study the Bible. They love to get their highlighters and their pencils out and, and go to town. But when it comes to prayer, they struggle having a conversation with God. And then there's those on the other side of the fence that love to pray, that love to talk to God, that love to sit in those quiet moments and hear from God. But when it comes to reading the Scripture, they struggle. And so I think when we pray the words of God, we know the words of God, and we pray those words back to Him, that helps keep that tension in balance of knowing the Scriptures and knowing God in personal relationship. And those things go together and bring great strength to us in our walk with God. And also knowing those things and keeping that stuff in proper tension gives us great joy. Let's go back to verse 13 which says, but now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus was a person of deep joy. In fact, the theme of this whole high priestly prayer is joy. You know, it's tempting to see Jesus walking around with a long face and see Jesus walking around as a guy that was very serious and on mission all the time. And yes, Jesus was serious and Jesus did have a big work to accomplish for his father, but Jesus was a man of deep abiding joy. You know, and that joy didn't come from his circumstances because when we see the life of Jesus, we know that sometimes those circumstances were not circumstances that would bring anybody happiness. You know, they were circumstances that would bring strife, that would bring pain, bring suffering. He faced opposition his whole life, but we see him still walk in that deep abiding joy. And that's because his joy did not come from this earth, but his joy came from his security and his relationship with the Father. And we can have that too in and through the word of God. And because of Jesus' sacrifice for us, we can have that security and that joy too. You know, happiness is based on our circumstances and that comes and goes, but our joy is based on the security we have in Christ. And not only can we have great joy in Christ, but he shows us great love too. Verse 14 again says this, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. You know, the world is going to hate us. You know, I don't think that that always looks like what we think it looks like, but either way, the world is going to oppose us at every turn. And we're to face that with God's love and through the help of God's word. You know, the world is going to hate us because as Christians, we should not conform to what's going on in the world around us. The world is going to hate us because the world is trying to deceive us and trying to make us more like it instead of being more like Christ. So when we stay in this word, it helps point out those deceptions, helps us see those before we arrive there. The world is always competing for the love of God, but God's word enables us to enjoy God's love and know God's love. Knowing God's word is the key to living in this world. Verses 15 through 17 says this, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. 
They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. We are here in this world, but we should not live like it. You know, we talked back in October about being citizens. You know, we are citizens of heaven and we are citizens of God's kingdom first and this world second. So many times it feels like, man, wouldn't it be just easier if when we were saved that God would just take us to be with him? But that's not to be so because here's how it works. Because when God saved us, he set us apart. So we can experience what it means to become more like Christ. As we become more like Christ, we'll love sin less and love God more. We'll serve and be a blessing to others. And all this comes through God's word. And it's not all about learning the doctrine and just knowing it up here in our head, but it's about translating that to our heart. You see, our mind learns the truth of God. Our heart our hearts love the truth of God that we find in Jesus. And our will yields to the truth of God that we find through the Holy Spirit. And this will also lead us to love Jesus more because of all that he has done for us. His word gives us joy. It gives us love. It gives us power. And it also gives us what we need to help others discover life in Christ. Let's read verses 18 and 19. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. You know, sanctification is a real churchy word, but sanctification here means becoming more like Jesus. You know, this is a process that's not for pride and for boasting, but it's a process that helps us represent Christ better in this world, to be better ambassadors for him in this world and to show him to others. You know, Jesus set himself apart. When Jesus walked this earth, he lived a perfect life. Jesus set himself apart for us. And now he has set us apart for him. And the Father has sent Jesus to accomplish that great work and live that perfect life and die that sinless death on the cross and rise from the dead. The Father sent him to do that. And in the same way, the Father now sends us into the world. And no, we're not going to be perfect, but we're to be striving to be like Jesus and to be on mission for what God has called us to do. And Jesus is now set apart in heaven, praying and interceding on my behalf and on your behalf, that we will lead others to him, that we will help others discover life in Christ and find their place in God's redeeming work. So friends today, be encouraged. Jesus loves his disciples and he loves us. His prayer is a model of urgency. It's a model of love. It's a model of compassion and encouragement and shows us how to pray. But even more than that, it shows us what we need and what we have in this world is only going to come through Christ and his word and the love that he has given us. Don't miss it. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for this high priestly prayer, God, and I thank you that uh, we get to eavesdrop here for a moment on Jesus's, some of Jesus' last words to you before he's to go and sacrifice himself for us. God, that I pray that we would take your word and we would take these words and that we would apply them to our lives and that we would um, live in such a way that always glorifies you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.